We've got to answer the bell. Now let's go. Caught ball. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Chris Godwin. This is Buccaneers Total Access. Godwin scores the first of 2021. What a drive by Tom Brady of the Buccaneers. Brought to you by Frontier Communications. Do what cable can't with Frontier Fiber Optic Internet. Visit Frontier.com to learn more. And by Hooters. Hooters, the original wing joint since 1983. Fire the cannons! Now your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Welcome into Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Frontier Communications and Hooters. I am so excited to be joined by defensive lineman Will Golson. Will, thanks for being with me. Thanks for the invite. Um, so, first of all, short week. Uh, that's got to be brutal. And then especially coming off, you guys have had some really brutal road trips in general. Um, so, traveling on the short week, I mean, it just, man, I don't know what you guys did to irritate the scheduled people, but this was, this was rough. So, tell me for you uh, what the short week was like and after all these years in the league, how you try to handle that, what, what, you've, what you've learned about how to try to handle that. Uh, main focus was trying to make sure my body was right from the previous game, uh, get all of those things handled, and then making sure my kids understand like, hey, all right, I'm not going to be here on this usual day that I'm here. And when you see me on TV, don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> you know, missing practices and all those things. And then converting to the film of the next opponent. So uh, it's, it's difficult, but you get used to it. I love that. Whenever I've asked this question, I don't think anyone has ever talked about the uh, impact on the family that a shift in the schedule is. That's <laughs> I love that. And I uh, I think it's it speaks to the uniqueness of being a parent in the NFL and how it is such a set schedule typically of when I'm home, when I'm not, where I'm this. Um, how how has that been for you as a dad of what that means for for the kids and um, what I guess maybe just yeah what it's like to be a, a dad that, that plays in the NFL for your kids. Uh, for my kids, I feel like I'm a, a everyday Santa Claus, but. Um... <laughs> Well, that sounds great. <laughs> no, it's awful for me. I'm talking about I'm a giant playscape. But for them, uh, we try to. I try to make sure I spend time with them because we are here like half a year. You know, we, we more than that focusing, especially last year was an extremely long year. But um, having the time with COVID to understand and get to know them better and get to play with them more because we couldn't do certain things. Uh, being a dad in the NFL, having the schedule, it's just like. You master your craft at work. You got to master being a dad at home too, because they need the same energy you give when you're here. So. Even if you've had 300-pound men hitting you all day, <laughs> those kids are still coming at you. Oh yeah, that's great. Um, it, it kind of felt like this last week's game. It almost felt like two different games happened. There was yeah. the 28-7 to 7 game, and then then there was uh, the one that where you guys, uh, you know, they had more to- total yards of offense in the fourth quarter than they did in the first three combined. Um, yeah, I love this look on your face. You're like, this was terrible. What uh, what happened? What changed in the game? What what started swinging things, you think? I mean, they got a few calls that swung the momentum for sure. Uh, we were anticipating. It was a couple that I know I was in for sure. I was definitely anticipating pass, and they ran it. It was, it looked totally like a pass, and they ran it. Uh, so they got popped a few big ones. Momentum shift here and there. Uh, that's mainly like, what I can just recall right now. Mm-hmm. And as a player, when you're out on the field, when you feel a momentum shift like that happening, uh, what is that like, and, and what do you do to try to stop it or, or not let it affect you and how you feel in the game? Well, the the biggest thing, the number one thing you gotta do is make a play to quiet the fans down. You know, because when that now moment, that there are fans again, <laughs> yeah, now they're fans again. You quiet them down, make a play, couple stops, three and out, or a touchdown, big play on special teams. That usually 
tends to neutralize the momentum, and then you got to make another play to get it to shift back to you. So. And then same thing, I guess, with the, with the penalties. When there is something like one of the penalties where it's pass interference and it's a bajillion yards, how does it feel different penalty yards versus it being given up a big play? Uh, it, there's, a, there's a slight difference. Uh, either way, it's on to the next play, but when you know you didn't give up a big chunk, like no misassignments or anything like that, because it's football. Some, some plays happen, you know, you might tug here, push here. It's football. So uh, you don't really worry about those, like, penalties. But uh, when you give up a big play, like, dang, that, that affects you because now you have to see what did you do wrong, what can you do better. When it's a penalty, it's, it's a minor technique type of thing in my eyes. We're talking to defensive lineman Will Golston. Um, Jalen Hurts, definitely a guy that, that brings the athleticism to the quarterback position. I felt like poor uh, Shaq and Joe just spent all night running around <laughs> sideline to sideline trying to chase the guy. And I'm sure for all of you guys, uh, it, it just adds a different dynamic. So what did you see uh, from him? And, and what does that mean for you guys when there is a quarterback like that that likes to make some plays with his feet? Uh, we're we coming up to one that's about mm -hmm. to make, try to make some plays with his feet. But um, knowing that we can't contain him, uh, he, he did make a few splash plays in the red zone. Um, but uh, they was basically shoe chicken all night, so just chasing him around, somebody trying to catch him. But he's a dynamic guy, nice strong arm, good legs. He did break a couple tackles. I was shocked that he was breaking, but um, he's a phenomenal athlete. And Fletcher Cox is a guy that's been in this league a long time, and I just wanted to hear as, as a fellow D lineman, what is so challenging about him, impressive about him, and, and why he's had the kind of career he's had? He's a dominant figure out there. Um, the get-off was tremendous. A couple of plays I was watching, like, man, this dude is getting off the rock. He's getting off the ball. He, he has the size, the athleticism, and the good hand speed to be able to convert from run to pass from just watching. I feel like, hopefully I don't sound like a fan, but, you know. <laughs> it's just, okay to be a fan of other guys, you know. But watching it, watching his craft and seeing how he approached the game outside looking in is, is, is great. Yeah, you can definitely be a fan as long as we still beat them. Yeah, that's, <laughs> For sure. Yeah, that's the perfect time to be a fan. And I know Levante out this last game, and what does it mean to the defense overall to be missing Levante, both for what he does on the field, but also who he is? Uh, that is a, a key cog that we were missing for sure. We had some guys step up, but um, he does bring a sense of calmness, a sense of peace because he has – all the know what to do, all the know how, uh, all of the different game situations that he can just snap on the trigger like that. Um, and just his experience out there on the field and in the locker room. Uh, boy, he, he's in the locker room, but um, not having him out there, you know, is a, a, just a, a slight bit of experience that we were missing. So it was key things that I think that it could have been a little different. But uh, we did get the win. We did shut him out basically to the – <laughs> fourth quarter. Yeah. We'll just pretend so, that quarter yeah. didn't happen. So, um, he's a, a very big cog in the defense. He is like the heart and soul. I never really said it, but thinking about it, you know, yeah, he is. Hmm. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Well, and you, you mentioned, I mean, just what an incredible job you guys did practically shutting them out early on in the game. And of course, there's just been so many injuries. Um, knock on wood, thankfully, so far, not to your area. <laughs> Uh, your your group of guys, your you know the front the front seven as much until this Levante one, but the secondary, um, God that group I don't know which football gods they irritated, but that has been <laughs> that has been rough out there. And for you um, not being in the position group rooms where the injuries have hit, how does it still affect you guys, or, or does it you know as a defense overall 
when there are injuries at another position for you does it not affect you at all does it affect what you guys are trying to do knowing that they're struggling back there a bit how does that work well rushing coverage always has to work together for us to get a good rush we got to do good coverage for them to get good coverage you have to have a good rush so it's a very uh organic type of thing that we have but actually i just got to commend the guys that came in because there were a lot of injuries the next man up has happened in that room a lot and uh even guys coming in um so I think that they're doing well. Uh, a lot of guys haven't had that many plays in the system, so, you know, it'll come. It'll come and go. But, um, yeah, rushing covers works together. Uh, for them to be better, we got to rush better. Uh, for us to be better, we, we cover better. I don't know any other way to explain it outside of that, but that's how it does affect. <laughs> it's a big effect, but that's the effect of it. Yeah, so it probably even motivates you guys a little bit more to get in there quickly trying to help those those guys out stepping in. Um, and you, you mentioned even new guys coming in. It was next man up from both inside and outside the building. Richard Sherman came in and, um, you know, coming in off the street and then had to be thrown in there for 55 snaps that first game. And, and the timing of the three games in 12 days, yeah. I mean, it's just, it was, it was a lot. For you, what was it like to watch him come in and, and try to learn the offense <laughs> or the defense in just a couple days and, and what you knew about him even before he came in? Uh, I, I knew he was going to come in and be the Richard Sherman that I saw on TV, but, you know, coming in out the streets, he handled his, I feel like he handled his thing. You know, he's doing his thing out there, especially learning the defense, then having to play. I saw him come in. I, I saw him with nothing on, you know, coming in to sign his paperwork. Then about 20, 30 minutes later, I seen him at practice. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> We flying, you know, I see him in the game, Larry got his stuff, you know, and I'm like, oh, he is out here. He, he is starting. He, oh, he's starting right now. It's, <laughs> he's rolling. And uh, seeing him do those things, not waver, not do anything, no confidence, lacking. He, he's there, he's out there coming up, making tackles, doing his thing. It's amazing to see. It just shows the type of veteran that he is. And I, I think it's good for young guys to see. Just, all right, you know, next man up, it's a job out there. You fill out your resume when the camera's on, and that's what he's doing it's, it's cool to be around. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and speaking of some of those young guys, I mean, considering Carlton had been the elder statesman in the room, which is <laughs> hilarious. And I love you as one of the older guys in the team is like, LOL. Yeah, he's still a young whippersnapper <laughs> yeah. out there. Uh, so let's start with Carlton and, and Sean Murphy Bunsen. I know both of them unfortunately dealing with the injuries now. But, but before that, uh, how had you seen them grow in their time here since, you know, again, you've gotten to watch them from day one? They elevated to the occasion every time they've been put in the fire. Uh, and it's beautiful to see. I do remember them coming in and them being on their phone, and I try to smack their phone out their hands. Just messing with them, you know, because we, we can't really mess with the rookies now. But, oh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that was my little get back. Ah, let me just knock your phone out your hand. But seeing those guys, seeing their level of preparation, seeing how they take care of their bodies, how they hit the field, like on and off the field, like I've seen a lot of growth. Dang, I am old, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, so much growth in those guys. And Especially they, talking about knocking the phone out of their hands. You do sound like the old guy that's like, oh, these young kids and their technology. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I like that I'm making you realize you're old. I'm sorry, that wasn't the goal of the radio show here. <laughs> I'm in here like, sheesh. Yeah, you're still younger than me. It's all right. I'm allowed to. I'm allowed to make those jokes since you're younger than me. Uh, how about on the the, the safety side? Uh, another another young guy thrown in there right off the bat, dealing with injuries now. But Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, how he handled his business as a rookie, going all the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah, he. I forgot he was a rookie last year. He was making big vet plays. Coming through, ball hawking, knocking guys down, interceptions. Man, wow! Yeah, these guys stepped up huge, right? That, that, <laughs> like, 
I never took the time to like really sit down and look and think about it, but sheesh, he was a rookie out there starting in the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl. That's yeah, crazy. you're picturing if this was you as a rookie having to be in those moments. How, how do you think you'd have handled it? Man, I, I, don't, I don't know. Our defensive line room was a little unique when I was a rookie, <laughs> so it could have been a little different. I don't know. <laughs> But now you get to be the elder statesman that yeah. helps these young guys. All sure, right. Sure. Well, we still have plenty coming up here with Will Golston, so don't go anywhere. This is Buccaneers Total Access brought to you by Frontier Communications and Hooters. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. You're listening to Buccaneers Total Access brought to you by Frontier Communications and by Hooters. Here's Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Welcome back to Buccaneers Total Access. I am joined by Will Golston, and we talked about some of these other guys on the D, but of course I got to talk to you about your, your D-line guys, your, your brothers in there. You guys spend so much time together, and I feel like you guys get along so well, and I really enjoy you guys as a group. Um, so first of all, tell me a little bit about Vita, both on and off the field, of, uh, of what he's like to have as a teammate. <laughs> The same guy that he is, that you guys get those glimpses, that's who he is all the time. He is a very bright, personable, kind, and caring person. Oh, I know, love that. Very funny, too. And I don't even think he tries to be funny. Like He's he, accidentally funny. Yeah, like that's just him being him. He is hilarious as a person. Uh, and he's super cool, man. Super cool, laid-back guy. Which is so funny because then he's, you know, 350 pounds that will just, like, take out a whole offensive line in one fell swoop. What is that like to watch someone be and it, but it's not that he's different on the field because we see him and mic'd up and he's still like giggling between plays. Mm-hmm. So explain this to me. <laughs> uh, the best analogy I can come up with it was a play that he made uh, this previous game. He threw the center and just stopped the running back in his track. Yeah. And like out of nowhere, I was like, what the heck? <laughs> this dude is strong as ever. Cause he was on basically he was kinda on one knee when he stopped, he just grabbed him. And I'm watching the running back. He, Turning his legs and be to barely move. I'm like, Jesus, this this is a gohemoth out there. This guy, and that's who he is as a person. You know, I feel like whatever comes at him, because you know he had the injury last year and he kept his spirits up. He came back, played, and did well. Whatever came at him, everything that's trying to hit him, it just runs into a brick wall, stops. May not get all that momentum, but when he gets to push you where he wants you to go. It goes in his favor. So That's incredible. And, and how important is he to what you guys are able to do as a defense? Extremely important. You cannot replace, what is he, 6'5", 350-plus pounds. You, you, you can't teach that. Nope. You barely can create that. So, um, <laughs> and he moves. He moves. I don't know if y'all ever really see, like, that kid can fly. So, you can't really game plan for that. Yeah, I feel like at least. Yeah, it's one of those happy he's on our team kind of oh, situations. For sure. And I know you guys take um, so much pride in your run defense in particular, that that is an area that you guys have done incredibly well at. We heard a lot about you guys being the number one run defense last year, and this year it looks like teams just gave up trying. What what has that been like to see the way your reputation has preceded you? <laughs> it's boring. I don't <laughs> like it. I want them to run it because it's uh, – you know, that's like the traditional smash mouth football that yeah. I grew up with. Like, they, you're trying to run it down their throat no matter what. Oh, you stop me, I'm going to run it again. But um, I think that's not just a credit to us. That's a credit to the linebackers flowing and coming downhill. That's everybody being in their gaps, listening to the scheme, and just doing what Casey Rogers preaches, man. He preaches stop the run. Like, you're not getting after the quarterback if you're going to stop the run. So it gives us opportunities. 
You know. So do you prefer stopping the run or getting after the quarterback? Mm, that's, yeah, it's that's, that's like asking, do you want cake and ice cream? <laughs> um, hmm. For me, I would prefer to get after the quarterback. It's, it's a lot less taxing on your body. <laughs> but stopping the run, because it's a lot of double teams out there, man. Them dudes are huge. Yeah. <laughs> Which coming from you, I wish people could see what it's like sitting in the room with you. You're a, you're a giant, giant human. I don't feel big at all. I feel like a regular, maybe even smaller, like around Because there. you're next to Vita yeah. all the time. <laughs> I feel so little. Now look, I'm like, well, maybe I am that big, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can vouch. You are. Tell me, height and weight, what, what are you at this point? <laughs> give, me, give me the stats at this point for people who can't see in the room right now. Six, seven, three, eighteen. Yeah, tiny dude. Just so tiny. Ah, that does sound like a lot, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> Man. We're having so many moments of you discovering things today in the show. Um, and I also, okay, I want to hear about the, some of the best celebrations uh, on the D-line for when you guys get a sack or get a big stop um, because I, I feel I, like I've heard you get made fun of for years a little bit. <laughs> I, had, I had a source tell me that you occasionally get made fun of for years in the D-line room. Oh, definitely. That's a, that's, that's a very, very, very old dance. It was old when I first saw it when I was a kid. But the best celebration, by far, hands down, no questions asked, is nachos. When he dips the chip and put it up in the air and tries to eat it. It's so <laughs> that is pretty incredible. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. That, that is the best celebration there. You got Vita with the lawnmower. We got Pat, because Pat, whenever he make a play, he's always super tired. He just puts his hand up. And it looks like he calling for somebody to come sub him out. Like, oh, come on, come on. But um, <laughs> that's all he can muster at yeah. that point. Yeah. And uh, Sue, oh my goodness, Sue got the. Y'all see his dances? Those funny dances? Yeah, it's he, it's pretty good. A lot of gyrations for a big guy. <laughs> but, um, for a big guy. Yeah. Well, okay. So tell me about Sue. What did you know about him before he came in here? And has anything surprised you about having him as a teammate as compared to watching him from afar? His gameplay does not translate to the type of person he is. He plays very physical and violent. But to me, I don't think he's a physical and violent person at all. Like, talking to him, he's very smart and very aware. I really didn't, outside of watching this film, I didn't know anything about him. But very smart, aware, uh, business-oriented. I've definitely taken a lot in from him, a lot of tips, learned a lot from him, uh, talked to him a lot now. I'm excited about him being a dad. That's awesome, you know. I'm pro dad for everybody, but um, yeah, he, he's a fantastic dude. And tell us about his play on the field and what having him in your rotation and the in especially the him and Vita uh, dynamic, both on and off the field. What's that? What that's like? <laughs> they bicker like they bicker like brothers for sure. <laughs> like it's like a brother rivalry with them guys for sure. Uh, you should. <laughs> I wish I could share half the jokes that go on, but um, the big girl Respucia, that's. That we need to like if you guys ever have something you want to fill a time slot, Respucia and Big Girl, I'm telling you, it'll be, they they need their own show. They need their own <laughs> show for sure, and it'll just be pure comedy. But um, <laughs> I wish I could say all of this stuff. <laughs> it's um, all right. We ever have a radio show that goes more on the HBO? We'll we'll have the stories. <laughs> How about in terms of um. You, you brought up Nacho, and he's a guy that I feel like doesn't always get all the attention because you do have Sue and you do have Vita. Uh, what has he meant to this team, and maybe especially when Vita was out, what he was called to do? Think about it. If you really think about it, Vita did go down 
and our run defense didn't stop or hinder at all. And he was a very, very big role in cogging that. And even now to today, when you call his number, he steps up. He comes to come with the energy, come with the explosiveness off the ball. It's like I don't like watching football. Like as a player, like I hate watching football. But when I have the chance to sit down, or not even sit down, but stand back and watch the guys in the room go, everybody's humming, and he's one of the guys like. Like you have to match his energy because if you're not matching his energy, it's like, man, I'm I'm not playing hard enough. I'm not playing good enough. So he's that type of guy. He doesn't really have to say much to pull you along with him, but you just go along with him just to be able to say, all right, I'm in the right pace of what I'm supposed to be doing. That's so interesting. And so when you talk about everybody humming along, we're talking to defensive lineman Will Golston. Um, Todd Bowles, as, as your defensive coordinator, what about his scheme – works so well for the D-line overall and then maybe you individually as well? The best way I can explain the defense, it's, it is simply complicated. It's, it's really simple, but it's extremely complicated. And when you learn your job, uh, everything else is easy. Once you understand how a team is going to attack you and then you know all the tools that you have in the toolbox as far as our plays and schemes, it's a lot easier to be able to go out there and execute. And then in our room, most of the guys have been together for a while now, so we know how to play with each other. So we compliment, all right, he does this well, he does that well. We work very well together. And I think with the time that we have, understanding the defense and knowing what someone is going to attack us with makes it extremely easy to play here. And then how about what you are asked to do? Because you, you are a guy that has had to change schemes a bunch, gain weight, lose weight, inside, outside, all these different things. Mm -hmm. It feels to me like this scheme works really well for it. Just what you're being asked to do individually has worked well for you and how you're built, how you want to play the game. Is that is that fair? Very fair. That's that's a great assessment right there. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. You know, it's I really love playing football. Like I feel like I'm in high school, really, because you got the guys in the room that's like your bros all the time. Got a defense that you want to play for. You want to make plays. You want to do everything that you can possibly do as far as me. Oh, everybody. I can say that for everybody. You want to do everything that you could possibly do to just be able to play and have fun with your boys. It's not like at one point it was like going to work. It's not like going to work anymore. It's like I'm coming to hang out with my guys. That is pretty cool. I like that. Um, and what do you think are your biggest strengths on the field? <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, thankfully, Coach Bowles knows. That's all that matters. Yeah, my strengths. Um, God, tell me why you're a good football player. I know what to do when I have to do it, uh, for sure. Not knowing, like, you think about it, like, if you don't know the plays, man, you are a liability. And I'm glad I am not a liability. Um, yeah, I think that's. I think you are not giving yourself <laughs> enough credit that your bar for yourself is just not being a liability. You can't be a liability. And here you're the second longest tenured guy on this team, and you won a Super Bowl last year, and you're basically talking about yourself like, I just don't want to mess up. Yeah, I don't want to mess up. I, I want to make the play. When it's my time to make the play, I want to make the play. I dread not making the plays that I, uh, I think about it consistently. Like, okay, if the ball is here, I have to stop the ball right there. If they still running and I can run to them, I gotta go as fast and as hard as I can go. That's really just how I think. I don't. I guess I don't think like everybody else. Yeah, that's great. Well, okay. So how do you feel like you have improved or grown since coming into the league here, both either on or off the field? If you ask anybody in my family, I, I've grown in patience. 
Um, definitely have gotten wiser. Um, uh, athletically, I have a greater respect for time of myself and time of others. When I first got in the league, I didn't respect anybody's time. Barely respected my time. I was really young and foolish. <laughs> you know, stayed out the media, but young and foolish. Uh, I feel like being here, I've really grown into a, a man. I was I was a little boy when I got here in my You were about to say a yeah. young man. I was and about to you, say a young man. I thought you were <laughs> pushing 30. I'm not young anymore. <laughs> well, especially in the NFL, which is so funny. I think everybody outside of football is like 30 is still young. <laughs> but in the NFL, it's like the, you feel like an you old man. Got, you got 20 year olds coming in every year. You, 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 oh, they look at you. Uh, what is uh, Elijah, one of our outside linebackers, was like, hey, man, I remember when you was in college, I was in high school, man. I was like, what? Like, yeah, used to ball. And in my head, I'm like, dang. You're also like, first of all, used to. Yeah. <laughs> I used to ball. Shoot. I guess I got to step it up. I was like, dang, he was really watching me in high school. I was in college. And I asked him, and this kid's born in 2000 in the league now. Like, it's not 1990-nothing. Yeah, no, no more 19 at yeah, the beginning of it. No. That's great. Well, and, I mean, you are one of the longest tenured guys here. What do you think that's meant for you and the role you're supposed to have on this team? I mean, you guys have so many vets so many leaders um but you are one of the guys that's been here the longest so what do you think that has meant in terms of what you need to be for the team have you felt the need to be a leader in certain ways because of that or how has how's your time here affected who you should be uh as far as for what i think i need to be for the team just consistent i want to show like consistently be professional consistently be a guy that's going to show up when his numbers call and for a young guy to see that, like, all right. Like I said, my, I had great guys in my room all every year I was growing up into the league. But uh, to see somebody work ethic and go hard every play, do everything he needs, be where he needs to be, be that uh, veteran, show a guy how to be professional. I think that was – I think it snapped for me when Clint McDonald got here because he was like that. He was a guy that was there every day, showed up. And now I want to be like that. So That's pretty cool. And – I, I imagine the Super Bowl, it's incredible for everybody, but did it seem like it even meant a little bit more to guys like you and Mike and Levante who had been here as long as you had? I hope it meant the same to them and what it meant to me. It felt like all of the stuff we shoveled or had to pave the way to get to just to be here to do it and then to get it, man, it was amazing. I think after every game I celebrated like it was a Super Bowl either way it went because I was like, man. Made it to the playoffs. All right, we got the wild card. Okay, won that one. That was a tough one. All right, we got another game. Won that one. Won the next one. Okay, this is a champ. We got an NFC championship. Okay, yeah. All right, we won it. My God, we going to the Super Bowl. We looking at the Super Bowl building. I got chills talking about it right now. We <laughs> we looking at it. And the clock hit zeros. And I'm like, wow. We, I don't think I went to sleep for like five days. I was up. <laughs> I was up just. And... It still has not hit that, man, we won the Super Bowl in all of those years, all of the coaches changed, all of the hard work, all the things I've asked you, you win the Super Bowl. Your first time going to the playoffs. That was That's huge for me. That's incredible. I love that. We have plenty more coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access with defensive lineman Will Golston, brought to you by Frontier Communications and Hooters. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. Buccaneers Total Access continues, brought to you by Frontier Communications and by Hooters. Here's Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. 
We are back here on Buccaneers Total Access with defensive lineman Will Golston. And I, I loved hearing how much the Super Bowl meant to you. It is, it is so incredible. And um, you also just are so amazing in terms of what you've done off the field that I was really happy to see the success that you have had on the field. And uh, this next week is, is going to be the, the TC5K, the, the race that benefits breast cancer. I know that you were uh, one of the honorary starters of it one year with her. So tell us a little bit about uh, that experience with your mom and, and why why that was so special. It was an awesome experience. Um, I remember when my mom first told me she had uh, breast cancer. We, I lived in Detroit at the time, and I, I did a 5K run with her. That was tough. <laughs> and she was way in the back. I'm running. I'm like, I'm like why is everybody not going full? Because I'm used to going full speed. <laughs> you know, some people just kind of take a leisurely approach yeah, to this. I didn't. That's great. Everybody passed me up. But um, having her there, being able to be recognized, I felt like did a lot for her. Because she fought her body, physical, mental, everything changed drastically as she was fighting and preparing to, you know, give it everything she got. And uh, to see her smile, I got all the pictures for her to be able to come out the tunnel with me as well, be able to talk and share her peace and give everybody else the hope and let them know that it's possible. It's amazing. I, she, I know she still remembers today. She has a big picture hung up in her house. So it was beautiful to be able to be a part of that for my mom. And I know this Sunday is the crucial catch, so it's and it's more than even just breast cancer. It's for all cancers, and that is also important to you. I mean, you, it's not even just your mom who's been affected. Yeah. Um, so what does crucial catch mean to you every year when, when it comes around? What goes through your mind? Well, uh, first thing I think of is my dad, who passed away. And then I think of my uncle who passed away. And I think of my other uncle. He survived, uh, my mom. And I think uh, now that I've been doing more being proactive, helping with Moffitt um, and learning more, I got a bit of an understanding, or I have a little uh, epiphany, I would say, that I think the lack of resources and knowledge that everybody has, or not knowing uh, what you can and can't do, what you what you should or shouldn't do, uh, I think that uh, that really affects a lot of people. And um, so, the games really, before I talked to my family last year when I did the donation, I was like, man, I wish I could, what can I do to help people let them know that, all right, it's, it's stuff possible that you can do. You know, you can fight, you can do this. You don't have to do this way. You don't have to ignore that. You can trust the doctor because in my community, it's, you know, sometimes you don't necessarily trust the doctor so much, but you can do those things. Uh, so I decided to give to Moffitt. I donated to their um, George Edgecombe Cancer Research Fund and that's what they've been doing. They've really been sharing. I know I've learned a lot and gained a lot of information. I've been sharing it with my family. So, yeah, I felt like I jumped around that whole question. But, uh, yeah, that's that's everything I think of when I think of uh, Crucial Catch. You, you mentioned the donation. For people who don't know, what, what did you do with Moffitt and, and what was the motivation behind it? I wanted to do something not just for me but for my father and everybody else. I, I donated... A, a, a lot of money to those guys. <laughs> I donated some money to those guys, and um, all for a. I want It's a specific thing, I suppose to say. But I, George, I donated the money to George Edgecombe. Um, it was for cancer research and disparities for people. Uh, I don't know the specifics, so I don't want to say the wrong thing. 
but I donated to the Cancer Research Fund and for sort of the minority communities yeah. that, that there's a lot of disparity in terms of the access to care and the access to the resources that they need. So you wanted it to go specifically to the groups that have disparities, right? Exactly. What was at the tip of my tongue? I knew it. I could feel it. it. I just, just wanted, wasn't yeah. rolling. There you go. Uh, but yeah, I donated um like close to a quarter million dollar sales guys to be able to get that stuff funded. And it's been rolling. I talked to the, I talked to them a lot, you know. I don't know. I don't know why. I just. I, I guess I do. But uh, yeah. That's incredible. And I mean, you've even. I know you. You paid a gas station clerk back money that helped you <laughs> out forever ago in Detroit. You've given tickets to your high school coaches. There are so many things you've done, off the field, and I'm sure plenty that we don't even know about. And I. I don't think you even meant for anybody to know about some of those. No. Uh, but when you're, you know, a giant human, sometimes it's hard to be incognito. Uh, <laughs> Where do you think just this desire to give back in big ways, small ways, where, where does that come from? And, and did it come potentially from how affected by cancer you were and you saw how you lost your dad, your, your life was so precious, I guess? That life is precious and I did lose my father. That's why I give back with the cancer. But everything else really stems from I didn't really have a lot for a long period of my life, like from the age of 12 basically until I got into the league, I was basically homeless and a lot of people helped me out. And like I, I sold candy to buy a car, I was in my car, people, I stayed with my aunties, stayed with some coaches at times, stayed with some friends at times. And they really haven't, they didn't have to. Like it was nothing that they did that they had to do to be able to help me. But they just did it out of the kindness of their heart. And it really spreads. So I don't know, and it helped me a lot because like, not having anything really affects you mentally. And I can spread that hope and joy for somebody else or just be able to get them to get a smile. A smile is a big, goes a long way. So I just try to do whatever I can do to help others. But I like to do it when I want to do it. It's hard to be pressured into doing something. So I try to do it organically when I feel like I want to do it. That's incredible. Uh, and you mentioned in high school, yeah, you had to move around so much, sleep in a car. And so even with all that, you became a five-star recruit. <laughs> How did you think you were able to get to that point of being this five-star recruit? You're getting to go to commit to Michigan State. And um, just, yeah, what, what got you to that point? For the grace of God and all of my mentors, I didn't, I didn't know I was going to be any of those things. I didn't, I kind of, it's going to sound a little crazy. Like, you know, you may, you may or may not know, some athletes may know, like when you play for different sport teams, you get shoes or you get clothes, they give you a lot of stuff. I was really playing for all of that. Like, I played for a team, I, I, uh, I, hopefully this doesn't run along, but I played for a team called The Family. I played for them for a couple years as a basketball team, and I got a new pair of Jordans. And I, I had to wear them all the time because I didn't have no shoes, so I had to wear those Jordans. And when the coaches asked me, he was just joking around. Like, as an adult, I see it as a joke, but as a kid, I was, like, kind of crushed. But uh, he was like, did you come here just for those shoes? And in the back of my head, I was like, dang, I'm, they, figured, they, they caught me. <laughs> they figured me out. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I take it as a joke now. He's like, dang, if you needed some shoes, you just said something. I'm like, I'm not going to ask you for no shoes. That happened my Sophomore year at Mumford, too, I got some shoes playing on a basketball team. I swam because they fed you after practice. Uh, football, my coaches looked out for me. Like, I had to do those things. I had to play. I had, you got to be good for them to be able to do that. And you have nothing else, so it was pretty easy. 
That's incredible. And I know you also uh, went to Jerome Bettis camp mm -hmm. as a kid, which is yeah. kind of crazy. And I heard, was your nickname uh, Too Tall in high school? <laughs> it was. My nickname was Too Tall for sure. <laughs> I, was, I actually have a tattoo of Too Tall. Do you really? The first time I ever had a nickname. My family calls me a totally different name outside of William or Will, but... That was the first legit nickname I had was too tall. And it went, it lasted to college, but they just started saying wheel after I had my junior year. So I rolled with it. Stuck with that. That's incredible. Uh, and I, I was thinking you were the first five-star recruit to commit to Michigan State. Mm -hmm. So what, what made that decision for you? It felt like home. Not having all of the things that I talked to about recently. Every time I went there, I felt like I was at home. I didn't feel any judgment from anybody even like just walking and I used to go up there just to walk around the campus and try to be like nobody knows who I am but didn't realize I was a big dude walking around campus but uh yeah it just always felt like home it was close enough my grandmother was actually had gotten sick too so I didn't really want to leave I was up to a couple other schools but it was so far away I'm like nah and she passed my freshman year so I was like that they really everything panned out I felt like I was at home Felt like it was family, it was close enough so I could still see my grandma. And yeah, it all it all it all kind of played out. This is crazy. Could have went left a lot <laughs> growing up, but it planned out. That is amazing. We still have one more segment here on Buccaneers Total Access with defensive lineman Will Golston, brought to you by Frontier Communications and Hooters. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. Now more on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Frontier Communications and by Hooters. Now your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. It's time for our final segment here on Buccaneers Total Access with defensive lineman Will Golston. Um, I wanted to talk to you about one of the ways that you have worked out and stayed in shape off of the field. You started taking jujitsu mm -hmm. as if you're not already intimidating enough or athletic enough at your height and weight, let's throw in a martial arts in there. <laughs> Tell me how this came about and how you think it has impacted you on the field. Oh, uh, well, my, my sensei, you say I'm athletic and big and all those things, right? He's a very small, bald head man. <laughs> and he picked me up so quick and lightly and slammed me on the ground so soft. I was like, geez, I have to know how to do this. And um, so I got into it. I was actually going to buy a fishing rod at Bass Pro Shop, and he was there, Casio. Uh, he was an amazing, like he was on, so, he has a thick portfolio of all the things he's done in his life, uh, from special forces, training in jujitsu, judo, uh, taekwondo, special sniper, uh, head of a task force, like he's an amazing dude, like legit BA. Uh, and I'm like, um, okay. He said, come out. I'll show you. I'll train, you know. And I'm like, train me, man. You come up to my waist. I can't even, you know, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, who are you to train me? Yeah, I said, all right, I believe you can walk. We did it. So he came, and he did the, the flip, and he, boom, boom. He showed me how to do a real grapple, and we rolled. And I'm like, man, I'm tired as heck. It's only been 15 minutes. So I did that for an hour every day. Wow. And then I... I'm a first-degree white belt. Don't Look at you. you know. Brush off them shoulders. I'm out of here. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, to be honest with you, I, he also told me that it's the uh, the safest way to be able to disengage somebody as far as him approaching me. Like, if somebody came to fight me, now I can put them in a submission hole without having to hurt them. I don't have to swing and hurt and hit anybody. 
you know, it saves me for that. And then all of the leverages and different techniques as far as moving left and right and trying to get around people is about the same thing you do on football. Really minor changes, but it's easy to implement it out in the field. That's, that's amazing. Do you feel like with that, um, have you still been improving in your game even after this many years in the league? Definitely. Yeah. That's, that's, I think about that all the time. I, I look, I say, man, like if I look at the film that I had earlier in my career and I look at what I'm doing now, it, they run in the same plays, but I'm able to handle it and do it in a better way, which is nuts. Is it more the mental or the physical side that you've improved in? It's, I think it's a combination of both, to be honest with you, because uh, I, I take everything more serious as far as my craft. I really want to hone it and be the best that I can possibly be. And that comes with dietitian, sleep, weights, extracurricular, and studying. And I, I, I take it very, very, you can ask anybody in the room, I take it serious. I could spit out, like all I need to do is see the play for about five minutes. I could tell you everything that we need to do, how we need to do it. Uh, and since I changed that dynamic of the game, I feel like I've been able to get better. That's incredible. We're talking to defensive lineman Will Golston. So tell me, for you watching a film session for an, an upcoming opponent, what are the things that you're watching for you individually that you want to learn, want to know, that will help you on that side? Outside of like the little key tips that you try to pick up from the offensive lineman, I like to see where they like to run, who they like to run to, uh, what type of style, what's the formation, what's the personnel. Like, you know the personnels, that's one tight end, two tight ends, two backs, all of that. You learn all of that, you know what they run out of there. And then you look and you see that they do the same plays over in all of these other personnels. So then you find out their key runs. So with those runs, they're not going to change the blocking. They might change the personnel. I don't know if anybody's going to know what I'm talking about right hey, now. Hey, that's what this show's for, yeah. man, you know? They might not, they're not going to change the blocking scheme. They might just change the personnel. So if you understand what blocks you're going to get, out of what front, if you're in a three or four or zero or one, you know how you're going to get blocked. You see those, you can react faster. The faster you react, the easier it is because the offensive lineman has to block you. You don't have to block him. So, and that was, it's crazy. It took this long to understand that. But if I came into the league with that, I think I'd have been able to make some plays. That's incredible. So to, uh, speaking of the offensive linemen, mm -hmm. tell us about ours on our team and going against them in training camp and practice and how that helps you and how they are a, a tough group to go against. From from the starters to the second to the third, like all our offensive linemen are extremely important because without those guys, and even the guys on practice squad too, without those guys, we wouldn't be able to be number one in the rush defense or we wouldn't be able to get after the quarterback because every rep that I take during the week is against them. And without them, I tell Nick, I tell Aaron, I tell uh, Hainsey, I tell all those guys, even Wells, and Wells a vet too. I wouldn't have been able to do none of that stuff. I wouldn't have had the success I have without you guys being able to be there because they block like it's a game. Every practice, I hate it, but it works. It pans out for us. Without them, we wouldn't be able to be successful. Who are some of the guys on our O-line that you think are the hardest to go against, that you are happier on our team? I'm happy Tristan's on our team. I'm very happy Jens is on our team. Uh, Allie. All of Shoot, Donovan. Cap. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that that's our offensive line. I hate to have to play every single quarter, especially against Jensen. You know, <laughs> he'll he'll wear you out. He 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 gets at it. like he doesn't just play a physical game. He plays a mental game with those guys too, and it's beautiful to watch. And I just look like man, look at him baiting that guy 
and then he bites it. And I'm like, wow, you, you had to watch the film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you had to know he was going to do this to you. Yeah, and then you watch Trish and Donovan throwing guys, and then you see Allie and Cap getting that rib shot in there. I'm like, man, and they do it, like, consistently. It's, it's technical out there. So, yeah, I, I would... I would, I'm glad they're on our team. I hate to have to play against them all the time. Yeah. How about uh, our outside linebackers? What have you seen from Joe Tryonshenka coming in here as a rookie and uh, what he's been able to do, what he's been asked to do, and, and some of the unique ways we've used him? Hey, that kid is also answering and elevating at a high rate. And he's consistently getting the game under his feet. I feel like now that it's starting, you're getting the stability, his footing around there, we can use him a lot. We have been using him a lot. The outside linebacker, inside linebacker, dropping in coverage, getting after the quarterback, spying, all of those things. He is a phenomenal Like, you don't get a chance to see an athlete like that all the time. Like, he would be the outside linebacker uh, equation of a Vita because he's tall, linky, fast, strong. Uh, he's an amazing guy. Then we got JPPs, learning under JPPs, learning under Shaq. You know what I'm saying? We got Nelson in the room, too. We got Gill in there. Like, our offense, our outside linebackers are are some guys that that can hum, you know. Just need they get the opportunity, they go home. So yeah, and how and Shaq and JPP, what are the, what are the biggest things that they bring to the defense, and, and how you've seen them even kind of grow and evolve in, in their role since coming here? Just the consistency of, as far as doing their job. You know, you see Shaq out there every time it's a pass, he gets to the quarterback. Like I, he he barely loses one on one. You get JPP with the energy, being able to drop and cover, stop the run, and set the edge. Like, those guys really do their jobs well. And for a young guy to see that, like, to me, I feel like that's an amazing thing to see because you know the standard. Once the standard is set, you can either elevate above it or just float with it. We talked about there being – there were the empty stadiums last year, and now there's full stadiums again this year. And it's it's easy to know kind of the storyline with that with the offense of, oh, yeah, it's going to make it harder for you to, you know, be able to make your calls. For you guys, how did that affect you last year with empty stadiums, full stadiums this year? What, what did that do for you? Last year, it was kind of like a, you you had the same mindset you would have in practice. So you you got to just keep pushing. You got to keep going. You got to get all those plays in and execute them to a T. You have nothing to distract you. You have nothing. You don't have to hear anything. You focus and hone in on everything the quarterbacks say. You can hear all the offense alignment checks. It's a beautiful thing for a defense to not have fans. And then uh, <laughs> uh, and now, you know, you still get a little bit of crowd noise. You, you, you know, you get that surrounding. You don't just see the offense. You still see the, like, the little, uh, what's a good way, like little smudges. Like if you smudge a mirror, that's what everything looks like around surrounding the offensive line or surrounding the ball. You get those things, you know. So it's a difference, but it's not a huge difference, I feel like, for the defense. And then now you guys, I mean, you've already had some pretty brutal schedules so far, but uh, this next game at home is one of only two home games in the next two months. You got, <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry to inform you of that. You got five of the next seven on the road and then a bye week as well. Uh, what is that going to mean for you guys and uh, just, I guess, the, the importance of even just this next home game and, and just overall when, when the schedule looks like that, how you approach that and does that change anything about how you look at it? Not necessarily. I like to take it one game at a time, uh, for sure. Don't look too far ahead, but always got to take care of home. Uh, make sure we set a standard here and just keep rolling. And then five away games. It's kind of like what we did last year. There's a lot of away games, I felt like. But um, just the mental preparation, got to be able to stay dialed in, stay consistent in what you have to do, you know, and, and everything will, will follow.
And you mentioned that you guys just play Jalen Hurts, now Justin Fields. Do you feel like that was helpful to play against a guy like Hurts before taking on Fields? You, you said you thought they were going to make some similar plays with their feet. Definitely. It's, a, it's good coaching tape, you know. So you see what you did right, you see what you did wrong, and you have another dual threat quarterback that you're about to play. And I think it's going to be good. I think we're going to have them come down here. Hopefully the stadium is rocking like I know it can be. And uh, we're going to get it going. You know, the louder it is, the better it is. He's a young quarterback to be able to get after him. You heard that, fans. It's all up to us this next week. All right, well, Will, thank you so much for being with us. This has been awesome. Yeah, it's been fun. Thank you so much, and thanks to all of you guys for listening. We will be back here next week on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Frontier Communications and Hooters. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network.